You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venezia, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. This should be our desire. We should never be satisfied where we are in our experience with God, in our walk, in our relationship with God. There's new territories, if you will, to conquer in our experience and our walk with God. Isn't that true? It is. Listen, gang, there's a great joy in knowing God's work of sanctification. And sanctification is just a big word that means we've been set apart for God so that God can do the work that He wants to do within us. Do you ever feel like you've reached the height of your relationship with God? That there's nothing else for you to work on or to improve? Don't fall into the trap that Satan is always working to get us to believe. He wants us to stall out in our relationship with God. We will never know or feel or trust enough in our relationship with God. Today in his message, Pastor Mike warns us to always be looking for more to be searching the depths of our hearts to know and understand God more. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Genesis chapter 35 as he continues his message, The Excellent Life and How to Attain It. Notice in verse 3, go back to chapter 35 for a moment. Here is Jacob's personal testimony of how that God is faithful in verse 3. Let's read it again. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me, notice this is his testimony, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. You know, isn't this amazing? This was his testimony. In spite of all of his shortcomings, in spite of who he was, in spite of all of his frailties, in spite of all of his deception, in spite of all of his sin, in spite of his not being faithful at times to God, nevertheless, God was still faithful to him. Listen, gang, that's the God that we know, and that's the God that we serve. And that should be something that gets you really excited, because it's not based upon our performance but it's based upon the very nature of God and who He is, His commitment to us. It's an amazing, amazing truth. So Jacob here is testifying to the faithfulness of God. Okay, so let me ask you now. As you look back over your life, are you aware of God's blessing? Can you count the blessings? Can you say God was true to His word? This, gang, is the secret to growing old gracefully and the excellent life. 
versus the person who doesn't know God, who hasn't had any track record to look back to, who's not even aware of the fact that God's hand is upon his or her life, and their latter days, their twilight years, are miserable ones. They're bitter. And they're broadcast all kinds of different reasons why life is miserable. And just, as I mentioned before, some cosmic joke. And they offer all kinds of reasons to that end. You know, so-and-so misunderstood me or mistreated me. I never got what I really wanted or what I should have gotten. I've been passed over. I've been stepped on. And it makes for such a miserable experience in the last years of a person's life. You see, the difference is found in their relationship with God. The Christian is preoccupied with God's goodness and how God blessed them, how God blessed their family, how God used them to bring someone to Christ, how he taught them a great lesson in a difficult situation. You see, it's people like that that are full of joy. I hope that's your testimony. I hope that's your experience. So again, let me ask you the question. What kind of a person are you going to be? What kind of a person are you now? Are your senior years going to be bitter? Or are they going to be a prelude to a glorious eternity? Which has a lot to do with, as I've already suggested, what you think about past blessings. So I would encourage you guys to just take some time out regularly to just count your blessings. You know, they just mark the hand of God and, you know, retracing your steps of God being with you, his hand upon your life. You know, the things that have happened to you, the blessings that we've received, you can't even explain them unless putting God behind them. And I think it would serve all of us well to take some time out. This lends itself to the excellent life. Because there's a gratitude that's a part of that experience. Right? You're just thinking about what God has done. You're retracing his steps in your life. What God has done in you. That, therein lies uh, the secret. So let me ask you again. Are your senior years going to be bitter? Or are they going to be a prelude? to a glorious eternity. Well, it all has to do with what you think about past blessings. Now, that brings us to our second characteristic of Jacob's latter years that lent itself to the excellent life. And that is, on Jacob's part, there was a concern for purification, not only for himself, but all of the members of his family, and also a renewed commitment to God. Let's go back to our text, verses 2 and 3. And Jacob said to his household, okay, so now it's already been determined he's going back to Bethel. And so now he's going to get the whole thing in motion. And so now he turns to the rest of the members of his family. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Now this is, this is sort of interesting, but you know, doesn't this ring true? To us, this whole idea of changing our garments. I'm reminded of that portion of Scripture in the book of Colossians. I think it's in chapter 2 or chapter 3 where Paul encourages the church at Colossae 
to put on the new garments after the new man in Christ. That would be the garments of faith and the garments of praise and the garments of purity and the garments of holiness. So I think that that's what Jacob was thinking here when he instructs the members of his family to change their garments. And then in verse 3, Then let us arise and go up to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me in the way which I have gone. Well, now, that's odd, don't you think here? I mean, at first glance when you read this, I mean, again, Jacob is 120 years old. And remember, the people that he's addressing here are members of his immediate family. And you would think that Jacob would have had certain influences over his family as it relates to spiritual things and the worshiping of Jehovah, their God. So what's odd about this? Well, there were idols in the family as late as this. I mean, don't you find that quite odd? The amazing thing was how an improper past can cling to us in spite of a lifetime of walking with God. I personally believe that they believed God, but nevertheless, there was these idols among them. How did that come about? Well, remember when Jacob packaged up his family and stole away in the night from his uncle Laban, we are told that Rachel went into her father's tents and he stole his idols because he was an idol worshiper. So for all of these many years, think about it now, for all of these many years, they had these idols present with them. So the amazing thing about all of this is how an improper past can cling to us in spite of a lifetime of walking with God. And I suspect that there are things that we also need to be weaned from even up until the present. How long have you been walking with the Lord? Someone might say, well, a year, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 30, whatever. I bet you, I suspect that maybe there are someone, some ones here that are still clinging to something that was a part of their improper past. Things are they still need to be dealt with within our lives. There are still things that need to be removed. It's just a part of the processes of God. I'll be the first one to admit that God is still at work in my life. I haven't arrived. God hasn't completed the work that he had begun in me. And I've been walking with the Lord now for over 44 years or so, 45 years. We should always be striving for new levels of commitment. These are the things, now remember, under the second heading that lends itself to the excellent life and how to obtain it. We need to get hold of God's greats in greater portions. This should be our desire. We should never be satisfied where we are in our experience with God, in our walk in our relationship with God. There's new territories, if you will, to conquer in our experience and our walk with God. Isn't that true? It is. Listen, gang, there's a great joy in knowing God's work of sanctification. And sanctification is just a big word that means we've been set apart for God so that God can do the work that he wants to do within us. And what exactly is the end, the sum total end of that work? To make you very much like his son, Jesus Christ. But isn't that true? 
That's God's goal for each and every one of us. That's one thing that we all have in common. That's where God wants to bring each and every one of us. He's conforming us over an extended period of time into the image of his own dear son. And so we need to be committed to that. And there's great joy in knowing that God's work of sanctification is going on. We're being drawn to him more wholeheartedly. What a beautiful thing that is for a couple of different reasons. Just to know that, you know, as we trace those steps, we realize that God hasn't given up on me in spite of who I am, in spite of who Jacob was. He's not finished with any of us. The best is yet to come. That is, if we give ourselves to these principles, you see. We have a great future to look forward to, right? So I think that each and every one of us need to pray regularly, right? God, purify us. Strengthen our commitment to you. And thus, that's the second principle that leads to the excellent life. Now that brings us to our final principle this morning, and that is there was a new but old revelation. Okay, what are we talking about here? Well, let's read verses 10 through 13, which wasn't a part of our original text, but let's read it now. So chapter 35, beginning in verse 10. And God said to him, your name is Jacob, but your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. And so he called his name Israel. Now, in one of our previous services, this all came about, by the way, God is rehearsing what has already taken place back a couple of chapters before when, remember, Jacob wrestled with the angel. And that's the only way that the person that he wrestled with is recommended to us as the angel. But that word angel in the Hebrew can literally be translated messenger. And I personally believe that it wasn't an angel or wasn't even some messenger sent from God, but it was God himself in the person of Jesus Christ. It was a theophanies. It was an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. And if you read that particular chapter, the way that Jacob responds and reaches out to him, I don't think there's any doubt to the identity of exactly who it was that he was wrestling with. But it was at that moment where Jacob was broken, reduced to a cripple. He couldn't run any longer from his brother Esau, right? It was at that moment when he was broken that God changed his name from Jacob, the surplanter, the heel catcher, the conniver, to Israel, which represents and symbolic of a person who is governed by God. That's literally what the name Israel means, one who is governed by God. And so he's rehearsing this once again for him here in verses 10 through 13. Verse 11, also God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. These are instructions that have already been given him. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you, and kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac, I give to you, and to your descendants after you, I give you this land. So listen, all of what's contained here in verses 10 through 13, these were truths and promises that were already made to Jacob by God. But then notice also here, we'll come back to that in a moment, just a side note that I wanted to draw your attention to here. Notice God uses the word fruitful. Do you see that there in verse 11? God promises Jacob that he's going to make him fruitful. Now, what is he referring to here? 
I mean, Jacob had already raised his children. He's 120 years old. His wives already bore him the sons that would eventually become the 12 tribes of Israel. So what fruitfulness are we talking about here? Well, it's the same fruitfulness that God wants to create in and through your life. You see, fruitfulness is not limited to age. And I don't care how old you are or where you are in your Christian experience, it's never too late for you to become fruitful. It's never too late to leave a wonderful legacy behind when you pass. Think about Jacob. I mean, up until chapter 35, his life was all about failure, really, for the most part. He's 120 years old, right? But nevertheless, talk about fruitfulness as it relates to Jacob. He became the father of a nation. Kings were to come from him. His descendants would occupy the land, right? Think about that. So fruitfulness, I think that's what God was referring to here. Now, also, another thing that I'm going to draw your attention to. So it's never too late for our lives to become fruitful. Don't ever give in to that idea, well, you know, I've squandered all of the opportunities that I had to be fruitful, and now I'm old, and now I'm going to leave it to the young people. Hey, you know what? God has got some great things ahead in store for you. God can use you in greater ways, in ways that you've never even anticipated or expected before. So get out of that funk of thinking you can't be used of God because of how old you are, or for that matter, how young you are as well. I should have mentioned that as well. Now in verse 13, let's go back to verse 13 for a moment. We're told there, notice, God at that point, after sharing what is recorded for us there, went up from Jacob after he had talked with him. So it suggests then that Jacob had some kind of a personal appearance of God. And I don't know in what form God appeared to Jacob, because remember, we are told that no one at any time has seen God. That is the glory of God, the ultimate manifestation of God and who he is. We would blow up. I mean, there would be no way that we'd be able to experience that. So maybe it was Jesus. Maybe it was another Theophanes that appeared unto Jacob and and made these promises that are recorded for us there in verses 10 through 13. We don't know. But nevertheless, this is interesting, because it does suggest a personal appearance. But I want you to note this here going forward as we continue our series in the book of Genesis. This is the last personal appearance of God. And this is important. So consider this, if you will, a transitional period. You say transitional period in what? In the patriarchal age. It's at this point where the patriarchal age is ending. Going forward, God would speak to men and women who lived godly lives through visions and dreams and never personally. Never personally. From this point on, in the book of Genesis, God does not give fresh revelations but simply a reminder of things that he had said to the patriarchs before. Okay, so where am I going with all of this? And how does this relate to me? And how is this the third and last point that's going to lend itself to me experiencing an excellent life? Well, in the same way, 
in our own experience with God, the truth of the matter is we don't need any new truths. We don't need any new revelations about God. We simply need to be reminded of the things that are contained and recorded and preserved for us in the Scriptures. The Scriptures, that inexhaustible knowledge and counsel that God has provided for His people. And we could spend our years feeding upon this book that is the Bible. For example, in a service like this, just a moment ago I said, in fact, here's a great example. This is the God that I know. This is the God that we serve. In spite of Jacob's frailties, in spite of who Jacob was, God still blessed him. And if God blessed Jacob, there's great hope that God will bless us. And as we're reminded of that, right, we begin to learn something about who God is and what God is like. How do we come to that conclusion? Through the study and the preaching of the Word of God, you see. God taught me years ago, you know, something that I'm passing along to you this morning. Or maybe something that you learned in a service like this, you'll be able to relate to in a very personal and relevant way sometime in the future in your life's experience. And you say, oh yeah, remember, you know, Pastor Mike shared that with me, and, and boy, man, that's really relative and helpful for me right now in this present time. How did you come to that conclusion? Through the study of the Word of God. We begin to understand how God operates in the lives of His people, right? We can trace the steps of God working in the lives and hearts of His people. How do all of these things transpire? Through the study of the Word. Okay, so let's wrap up this morning's message. And so what were the characteristics of the end of Jacob's life that is the excellent life? Well, one, if you haven't already taken these notes, write them down quickly. First of all, they were marked by a remembrance of God's past works and blessings. Number one. Number two, there was a present commitment to purification, living their lives to please God. Number two. And then lastly, thirdly, there was a constant reflection and meditation upon God's Word, the Bible. Listen, gang, if you make these things a part of your daily life, out of your innermost being will flow, as Jesus puts it, living water. And you can be sure, gang, your life will be full. Your life will be blessed. Your life will be excellent. And listen, wherever you are, no matter if you're a brand new Christian, a babe in Christ, or maybe you haven't, you know, you're here this morning, you never even made a decision for Christ ever before. So this could be your starting point, if you will, right? So wherever you are, whatever your age, it doesn't matter. Begin with God now and allow Him to build into you those experiences of His grace that will make you a source of blessing in your latter year in my father's house there's a place for me in my father's house where i long to be oh my when something gets close to an ending we naturally turn our attention to the beginning when a child is about to graduate we look at baby pictures when a beloved spouse of many years grows close to death, we go over the story of how we met. When we pack up our stuff and move away from a house, we remember the first times we walked in the door. 
And as we draw close to the end of days, it seems only fitting to return to in the beginning. We can watch as light is created in land and sea and all the creatures, day and night in the sun and moon. And when we take a look at the glorious and amazing creation of the world, we can remember that it's the same God from the beginning who is ruling over the end. We can watch in awe, remembering that the end is also good news as we eagerly await His return. And here at In My Father's House, we're so glad you've decided to spend your day with us. In My Father's House is a ministry out of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Midtown Manhattan. It's easy to get here with access from Port Authority and Penn Station on 34th. We'd love to see you. Pop over to our website, harvestnyc.org, to find times and so much more. And if you feel compelled to partner with this ministry financially, there's a link for that as well. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. While you're there, take a look around to find additional audio, a link to our Vimeo and podcasts. That's all we have time for today. We've loved spending time with you, and we can't wait to meet up with you again. See you next time here in my father's house.